The jobs market in the U.S. is a mess. I know everybody points to the last payroll report, last two payroll reports, and says, no, the U.S. is booming. The labor market could not possibly be hotter. Yet more and more Americans can sense that's not the case. In fact, the establishment survey, the payroll report, doesn't even agree with itself, let alone those feelings and perceptions of most Americans. And the situation, as grim as it is, is looking to get a whole bunch worse from here. The reason for the outlook is that there's another rise in layoffs that's happening right now. But even before those, the real problem, and this is the part that workers really understand, they understand how bad it is because no one is hiring. That's the least appreciated part of this whole labor market situation. We focus on job cuts and layoffs, which is understandable, without really appreciating the damage that has been done in the lack of hiring and the future damage that's going to be done from it. The idea of a K-shaped recovery is actually making a comeback because people know if you do get laid off, you're screwed. So I hate to break it to you. The more you hear about the K-shaped economy, the more you know it is actually recession because every economic period to some degree is K-shaped. And the more people that fall into the lower leg of the K, that's what actually determines a recession period from an expansion period. More people in the lower leg, that's recession. More people shifting to the upper arm, that's actual expansion and growth. The problem is no one is hiring. So you throw a few more layoffs on and it has a completely chilling effect all across the United States economy. It makes, makes the U.S. under the surface, under the payroll report, look a lot more like Japan, the U.K., and Germany than we should be comfortable with. I think most people might remember their first brush with a K-shaped idea back in 2020, the pandemic period. It had been fashionable in once the lockdowns, the first set of lockdowns were lifted, the idea that the U.S. would come roaring back, the global economy would come roaring back in a V-shaped recovery. We shut everything down with a flip of a switch and we'll just flip the switch back in the other direction and turn it all right back on. And so the summer of 2020, really from May 2020 and early June when the May payroll report came out and showed a huge gain instead of the additional loss that everyone was expected, everybody thought, okay, V-shaped recovery, that's going to happen. But after summer wore on into the fall, it became clear that beyond the initial momentum, that initial rush, the economy was settling back down again. And people started to talk about the case shape, which is some people are doing really well, but too many people are doing not so well. So you have the doing well part, a bifurcation of the economy. That's the upper arm of the K, whereas more and more left behind in the bottom leg. Here's an article from CNBC that really describes it. Worries of a K-shaped recovery are growing in the alphabet-obsessed economics profession. That would entail continued growth, but split sharply between industries and economic groups. It's a scenario where big box retail and Wall Street banks benefit, but mom and pop shops and restaurants and other service profession workers lag. Though not readily visible in GDP numbers for the next several quarters that will look gaudy in historical terms, the uneven benefits of the recovery post longer-term risks for the national economic health. And the irony here is that back then in 2020, when the K-shaped reco uh, recovery 
and the economy was, was becoming more and more realized, that it was the lowest paid jobs and lowest paid workers that were being harmed the most by the pandemic and the lockdowns and the lack of recovery that came after it. Then along comes Uncle Sam and re-scrambled everything, the supply shock, consumer prices, and everybody forgot about all that. So the irony is, now that we're talking, picking back up on again, the idea of a bifurcation in the economy, it's actually the lowest paying jobs that are now plentiful and available, and the best paying jobs and the highest quality jobs that are being eliminated in layoffs, and the companies that do have those higher paying jobs are the ones who are not hiring anybody. In many ways, the two are related. We went from the pandemic period where everything got scrambled into now having to adjust to the fact that it was all artificial and non-economic and eventually we're realizing that it's that it was not productive. The white collar workers, the high paying jobs, those were the ones that were created on the assumptions that the K-shaped recovery became a V-shaped recovery eventually, when in fact, it was always a K. So now we have to deal with not just the hiring freeze. We've got plenty of data that suggests that, including the JOLT survey. I've talked about this many, many times before because the results and the statistics there are simply astounding. And they're the ones that are going to be consistent with everything that we're going to talk about here today. You see the lack of hiring, and that's what everybody can sense. That's what they're really afraid of. And then you throw out some layoffs, and the layoffs, people are naturally looking at it and saying, if I get laid off, I am absolutely screwed. Of course, you're not actually going to be laid off. There's all sorts of euphemisms that have sprung up, especially the last couple of years, to try to soften the psychological blow of what really is being let go. There's corporate outplacing, right-sizing, org changes, all of which lead to my favorite, an involuntary career event. But essentially, companies are more and more mentioning both layoffs as well as these euphemisms as they navigate the challenges of 2024 that look less like the establishment survey or GDP in the United States and more like GDP and recessions around the rest of the world. According to Bloomberg's compilations just recently, the mentions of layoffs and its euphemisms are up to the most we've seen, or at least the most the Bloomberg data has been able to compile, more than 2020, more than 2008 and 2009. Of the S&P 500 companies on their earnings calls and other meetings, in 2023, 256 mentioned layoffs, 111 mentioned right-sizing, and 29 said something about reductions in force, all of those things being the same thing. And it isn't, it wasn't just 2023. As we start 2024, layoffs are making a huge comeback. In a recent report earlier this month, according to Challenger, Gray, and Christmas, waves of layoff announcements hit U.S.-based companies in January after a quiet fourth quarter. As we step into 2024, the landscape is shaped by stabilizing prices and the anticipation of falling interest rates. It's also an election year and companies begin to plan for potential policy changes that may impact their industries. However, these layoffs are also driven by broader economic trends and a strategic shift towards increasing automation and AI adoption. I keep talking about that all the time. Though in most cases, companies point to cost cutting as the main driver for layoffs. And they said that this year is already becoming grim. 
because layoffs surged in January. It was the second highest January since 2009, only behind last January when we had a surge of layoffs to begin this recessionary process way back in late 2022. So the layoffs are making a huge comeback. And while companies say it's about cost cutting, the only reason it's cost cutting is because business environment is not keeping up. You don't have to cut costs if revenues are booming, which is why we're talking about the K-shape again in 2024, like we were in 2020. In between, you had nominal revenue growth because of the supply shock that everybody presumed was going to be permanent because all the economists told them it was going to be. So you had this idea that 2021 was going to be the way it was forever forward. And instead, it didn't last very long whatsoever. And now there needs to be an adjustment. Corporate managers know it and workers can feel it. And again, they can feel it not just because of the layoffs that are hitting now, but more importantly, the hiring freeze that has been, has been plaguing the marketplace, the job marketplace, for quite some time already. But of course, there are any number of people who are willing to say, no, this is just the economy doing a small adjustment because, you know, businesses are being egged on by their shareholders. In a recent article on CNBC, a fellow by the name of Peter Capelli, who's a professor at the uh, uh, Center of Human Resources, at the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School, he said, the current wave of layoffs is not because of the economy, but rather because companies are feeling pressure from investors to cut costs. The cuts make investors feel like the company is being proactive, but that's all the layoffs accomplish, he said. These layoffs won't do any good. But again, that misses the wider point. You only pay more attention or very close attention to your cost structure when you are pessimistic about the future and you're under pressure today with your revenue and business. And we've been talking about this for the last year, year plus here where you can see nominal increases and nominal growth continues to slow down. I've been saying this all along. The bigger problem we'll have is this nominal slowdown. Because beforehand, when companies were dealing with, in real terms, reductions in their activity, manufacturers shipping fewer goods, making fewer goods, all of that kind of stuff, they could hold on to their workers. They could look at their, their cost structure and say, okay, it's no big deal because nominal revenues were continuing to grow. That was the inflation of the period. But now as we experience the downside of the supply shock, and it is the downside of the supply shock, what happens? That nominal protection, that nominal cushion disappears. And all of a sudden, businesses that were unconcerned with their costs beforehand were thinking more about how they take advantage of this wonderful future are now full, solely concerned about their costs. It isn't investors making sure that corporate managers try to goose their profits for an irrational reasons. It's because everyone realizes with that nominal cushion, disappe cushion disappearing, businesses now have to adjust to reality. And part of that adjustment is in the cost-cutting aspects of business that's first the hiring freeze before the hours get cut and then the number of workers do. And this is having a number of impacts all across the labor market. As Bloomberg reported again just recently, I mean, that's another thing. How often do we now see all of these mainstream articles recognizing, not, maybe they don't call it the K-shaped recovery, but the effects of it. We hear all of this and they all say the same thing. The labor market is strong, but... If you have to say but, then what's coming after refutes the premise that the labor market is strong. And there's another one. 
The work from home, the remote office structure that had become prevalent in 2020 and 2021, that's now being reversed because companies feel they have the upper hand. With the labor market as increasingly grim as it is, they realize they can demand people come back into the office because they no longer fear losing them. Because they know that workers know if they do get laid off, there's no place else for them to go. Here's what Bloomberg had to say. The perception that it's a lousy job market is persuading people that they better say yes to in-office work because they don't want to hunt for a job in a down market. And that comment came from, guess who? Peter Capelli from Wharton Business School, essentially making the opposite argument for the same topic. The new pressures persuaded 28-year-old Sebastian Lopez Barba, who works in social media marketing, to leave a remote role. The costs were high. Working at home in San Bernardino County money meant saving money. No commute and extra time with the family. But Lopez Barba realized to move up in his career, he would need to be seen. And here's the thing. Plus, he's worried about the economy. I don't have the luxury to say no, said Lopez Barba, who will be moving to Long Beach, California to be closer to his new office. The market has never been worse. Now, yes, that's an anecdote. That's a story, but they're becoming more and more frequent. And you stop, you stop and look at the labor statistics, the unemployment rate in particular, and say, what's the big deal here? But the unemployment rate does not describe the phenomenon that we're talking about here, the K-shaped economy, which is all about what these people are talking about and these articles are referring to is first and foremost, the lack of job opportunities the hiring freeze, as well as the involuntary hours being cut, more than layoffs. And so you could understand, given that background, why a, even a modest spike in layoffs would create ripples throughout the economy, a chilling effect. Because you realize, I'm in the upper arm of the K, but if I'm the one that gets laid off next, I'm going to be in the lower leg. And one reason I wanted to bring all this up today, not just to remind you that the recession is still working its way through the U.S. economy too, but we're going to get the FOMC minutes for its previous meeting. And of course, every, everybody will be focused exclusively on clues of whether the Fed is hawkish or dovish, or why the Fed might be increasingly hawkish after talking about rate cuts, rate cuts in December, back to rate hikes. And it all comes down to their perceptions of the labor market. They really believe in the Phillips curve situation. However, underlying that, even Jay Powell has recognized that, yes, he believes in the Phillips curve aspect to inflation, but more than that, they realize there's a supply shock there. Back in November at his press conference following that FOMC meeting, Powell said, well, I think everyone has been gratified to see that we've been able to achieve, you know, pretty significant progress on inflation without seeing the kind of increase in unemployment that has been very typical of rate hiking cycles like this one. So that's, that's a historically unusual and very welcome result. And the same is true of growth. You know, we've been saying that we need to see below potential growth and growth has been strong, but yet we're still seeing this. And what he's actually saying is that we don't recognize the first half of the labor market struggle. We're not taking into account the lack of hiring. We're only looking at the firing. And so if there isn't a whole lot of firing relative to past episodes of recession, it looks like we've made a ton of progress without suffering the cost of that progress. But where does that progress actually come from? Well, he even recognized, again, back in November, 
It's as much about the supply shock and its downside as anything else. You know, since we lifted off, and lifted off he means the rate hikes, we have understood that there are really two processes at work here. One of them, one of which is unwinding the distortions of both the supply and demand that arose out of the pandemic and the response to the pandemic, the supply shock. And the other is restrictive monetary policy, which is moderating demand and giving the supply side time to recover, time and space to recover. And that's, no, we see this in all of the data. Corporate reports, consumer prices themselves. The supply shock is the one that started to restrain demand to give supply more room to catch up to where demand had artificially been. But yet there's still distance there and that distance needs to be closed by another adjustment. And that adjustment, part of it is that what's restraining demand right now isn't rate hikes. Rate hikes have an impact on things like housing. They don't have as much of an impact on the real economy. Instead, what's having the real impact restraining demand is the supply shock itself. And as all of these businesses realize they overhired and overprojected in 2021, they now need to make adjustments to better align to reality, the K-shaped reality. And they're doing so even if they're not laying people off. They are indeed not hiring. But even most people understand that rate hikes are not the key feature here. And I want to refer to a survey that came out in October, and I have to thank Eurodal University member Mark for really bringing this up. This is a survey from the Bank of Canada back in October, where they asked Canadian consumers what they thought about inflation, rate hikes, and all of that. And the survey said the gap between perceptions of inflation and actual inflation is unusually wide, because for most people, they heard these central bankers talk about an aggressive series of rate hikes, and therefore that increased the expectations that there would be some symmetry in consumer prices, right? If you did an aggressive series of rate hikes, shouldn't we expect an aggressive decline in consumer price pressures? Well, that didn't happen, which people not normally would react to that quite skeptically and say, well, what the hell is the point of the rate hikes? If the rate hikes aren't really having that big of an impact on consumer prices, which is what, what central banks are actually talking about these days, then what was the point of them? Here's another part which really kind of restores your faith in economics amongst uh, regular people. While most consumers understand that higher interest rates are intended to reduce inflation, less than half of Canadian consumers believe that they will. Again, the disconnect between rate hikes that are supposed to correlate to something, when again, throughout history, they really don't. But the best part of the survey is actually the most concerning and worst part. More consumers than usual expect deflation in five years, largely because they believe that the high price growth of recent years will eventually reverse. Bingo. They understand on an economics level, regardless of rate hikes, that, that, that what happened in 2021 was, yes, I'll say it, transitory and that eventually it has to be accounted for. And that accounted for is not likely to be soft and gentle and Goldilocks. It is likely to be increasing mentions of layoff euphemisms because companies are actually going to do those things. And they're going to do those things after they spent the last year not hiring anyone to the point that workers are terrified of being laid off because they realize there are no jobs available. 
Whatever the last payroll report said in the United States and last payroll statistics, again, the establishment survey was, was completely opposed by the establishment survey, let alone the household survey too. The labor market data sounds more like the anecdotes that we just went through and this, these other pieces of information that we can get from all of these other potential sources. We know the labor market is a complete mess. We know Americans can feel it's a complete mess, even if everyone still says the, the labor market is strong, but the but is the problem here. The but is what we're re really concerned about. It is, the but is the K. And more and more people are being moved from the upper arm in the K to the lower leg. And they know it. They know the prospect for it is there. And it is having a chilling effect on the overall economy. Is this why we saw retail sales in January in the United States down as big as they were? It wasn't the cold weather. It was the chill of the labor market mess. If you really want to know what was actually in the last payroll report and the statistics therein, that's the video I've got linked below. And it's definitely worth taking a deeper look at. As always, I thank you very much for joining me. Huge thank you, Eurodollar University members, Eurodollar University subscribers. Until next time, take care.